Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. This is Holding Down the Fort. Welcome back. Today we are here with Cole Dunsing, Los Angeles Dodgers minor league pitcher, and he does some other cool stuff on the side, like uh, playing one of the best threesomes in golf history with uh, Tyler Smith and Coach Doug. So, Cole, welcome to the show, brother. Thanks for having me. So we're gonna uh, we're gonna jump right into into some things. Cole was a high school draft pick, sixth round, I believe, out of uh, Overland Park, Kansas High School. So Cole, give us just a a little bit of an idea as um, you're going through high school, uh, you know, the draft process. Where were we going to college? Were we a late bloomer, early developer? How uh, how did you get to uh, to where you are today? Yeah, um, so I committed. To Kansas State uh, University, uh, uh, fall of my junior year, so after my sophomore summer, um, and I really kind of didn't milk the recruiting process at all. Um, just kind of jumped in. I had uh, two or three of the guys that I was playing summer ball with at the time; they were already committed to Kansas State, and. Um, so I kind of just was like, yeah, I like the Big 12. Like, that sounds fun and get to do it with uh, some guys that I already know. Um, so I kind of jumped in. I honestly got the offer and I only had um, one other offer at the time that I had gotten like two days before the K-State offer. Um, and I committed to K-State pretty much like 24, 48 hours after I got the offer. Um, so my re- whole entire recruiting process was about like four days long. Um now was but, that just just real quick did you like go to an outlier event um that that happened or were you like did like did you like you said the the teammates the coaches from Kansas State were kind of recruiting the summer ball guys like walk me through exactly how we end up in that in that opportunity Yeah I think um I think a lot of of my sophomore um, high school season, I was a lot of like low eighties and I was a six, one, six, two, like 160 pound, like dude, like I was very, very, I grew seven inches my sophomore year, the beginning of my sophomore year. So I was very, um, kind of just, and I also had gotten hurt at the very end of my high school season. Um, partially probably cause I grew seven inches and they're just like, you're, you're, you're not, strong enough for like how fast you want to like how fast you're trying to throw which at the time was like only like low 80s but I just like my body couldn't handle it I was I was very I was very weak and so then I finally got healthy by that fall and um got to throw for some people and that's when it kind of all started happening and then it was all pretty much over 
um, pretty fast. It's weird because nowadays I feel like you commit and then more schools call and then like you have the ability to commit again or like you're just like kind of still a free agent until you sign your national letter of intent where like mine was just kind of like started and committed three days later and then it was over. So yeah. Like, and do you, do you feel like, um, you know, the, I, you know, we're big on empowering the players and whether that's a high school going to the college game right now with the NIL opportunities that they have guys entering the transfer portal, going college to college to better their draft status, or just, you know, trying to improve the situation that, that they're in. Um, we've seen a lot of guys benefit from that as well or the college to the pro, you know, the pro game where you've got Reggie Crawford leaving UConn to take some pictures in the, uh, the Tennessee volunteers uniform so that he can improve his draft stock, you know, a month before it goes into it. You know, we're all about those players kind of securing the bag. Right. So, um, you know, did, did you feel like your draft process almost held you back in a sense, or were you excited to have it done so quick, get it over with? I know a lot of guys are are almost like big weight off my shoulders as well. So which side of it did you kind of fall on there? Um, well, I definitely think that I, um, like I said, it didn't end up mattering. So it um, wasn't, can't, I can't beat myself up about it too much but i think it would have been fun to milk the process and see what else is out, out there because i only took two visits my other visit was wichita state so two in-state schools dude and... I, I i know being from kansas it's probably kind of cool but as an outside visitor i was a sophomore who rolled into wichita state i think you got they were ranked like 20th in the country or something like that and i come in from niagara like they invite us out there to kick our ass. Right. So, um, you know, we roll in and I have never seen an indoor facility, a skybox at like Wichita state for, I played at Vanderbilt. I played at Virginia. I played at Florida state, like Wichita state for me blew me away as far as facilities go. And we played at Kansas state twice. So I've, I saw that as well. And I'm sure it got upgraded a little bit since I was there. They were rebuilding some football stadium stuff at the, at the time. But, yeah. Um, you know, I, going right to Wichita state, can I get the, the impression of walking in there and how do we walk away to, to go to the, uh, the K state side of things? Uh, Wichita state, you're absolutely correct. The facilities are incredible, but the reason that they are incredible is why I didn't want to go to school there. And the reason that they are incredible is because they do not have a football team. And so oh. baseball, baseball and basketball get all the money and um, can spend money on cool stuff like that, which is cool. You get all you get all the perks of getting all the cool stuff. But like I kind of wanted the college experience of Saturday football games and, um, you know, being able to tailgate with all the guys. And like I, I thought that was part of the college experience that I would would want. And um, and I wanted to play in the big tw like I, I like the idea of playing in the big 12 over the Missouri Valley. Um, but it's, I mean, they find baseball players everywhere nowadays. So it's not like that really matters, but it was something that I thought it would have been cool to get to go play at the Texas and the Texas A&M and the Oklahoma, like all the other big schools that are in the big 12. Um, but yeah, that's how I ended up settling on Kansas state. But um I love I love settling 
on Kansas state, right? Like that's, that's, that is, that is awesome. So we're, we're locked in there. As you said, doesn't really matter. Right. So take us through there. How does that uh, become a thing where it doesn't even matter? So like, it wasn't, it, it never, it didn't always not matter. Like it was, it was, I was all in on Kansas state. I, I remember I, what the day I committed, I was that guy. I wore my Kansas state t-shirt to school the next day. Like, um, I was that guy and I was all in on Kansas state. It was going to be fun. We were going there with all my buddies and, um, I liked the coach that recruited me. Um, it was going to be good. And, um, so it really wasn't, I didn't really even have like playing pro ball at a high school on my radar, really. I mean, I was, when I committed, I was throwing 85, like it, it, when you're throwing 85, I don't think you're really thinking about pro ball. And, and so did, did we have like a, an outlier breaking ball? Did we just pound the zone with three pitches? What was, uh, what was your forte as a, a guy just sitting 85? Uh, yeah. I mean, looking back on it now, like, I think I just threw 85 and had a good changeup and a below average breaking ball. And they were just like, well, he'll get stronger and he'll throw harder and we can teach him a breaking ball. And like, that's kind of just what they were banking on. And um, I wouldn't say I was, I don't want to short sell myself too much, but I don't, I wasn't like one of the best players in Kansas. It was, um, we had a very good class, um, that year that was the best Kansas class arguably ever um because we had Riley Pint who went fourth overall um Joey Wentz who went 40th overall um and then we had Nolan Williams who went in the third round to the Angels and um then we had uh we had we ended up having like seven or eight guys drafted that year out of the area which we've probably had about like that's and probably we're, we're talking, we're talking prep class, right? All the, all high school guys, all high school guys, except yep. for one that came from central Missouri. But, and um, so you, you said like, I'm not going to short sell, sell myself too much, but like Riley pint coming out in the, in the class is a, is a big deal, right? Yeah. And I played against both of them, um, in my high school season. So like my high school season, I got to pitch against Riley, our last game of the, my senior year, both of our, our senior years, um, we pitched against each other in the last game, and that was a big day for both of us. Um, Guns everywhere. <laughs> yeah, there was – I mean, Riley, like I said, he was the fourth overall pick. He had like six GMs there, and um, it was a it was a big day, and um, we were fortunate. To, we ended up winning the game two to one or two to zero. And wow. so you, you got to in front of some of those guys, you got to, you got to blank slate that, that other team. Yeah. That was a big day for, for my uh, draft status. Um, but the, and I got two hits off Riley. So that's always my claim to fame. But that was the day where I was like 90, 94 that day. And Riley was 95 to one Oh two. So like it was, <laughs> like different realms but um after that that was my um I got the invite to go to an angels workout um and which was happening like two or three weeks after that and so that's kind of how it all unfolded but went through with that workout thought I threw well 
shook a couple hands like do you uh, really... do you remember any of the guys you came across there who might have uh, invited you out uh you're talking about like the front office like scouting guys well, like it's, so like that we so we pitched that that day against against Riley are we walking around after the game with you know uh our our flip-flops on introducing ourselves to to some of those guys after the game oh no no uh i mean i knew it was like i knew that what was going on that day like it wasn't like it was i mean everybody did it actually it's kind of a crazy story because um it rained that day it poured and it was supposed to be at their place and they had kind of like a average podunky field that didn't um take water very well and a, so they were like kansas grass field right yeah and so we weren't going to play like we weren't going to be able to play the game and obviously riley had important people in town and so um they're like we got to find a way to play this game so we ended up playing the game on an all turf field at a, a community college johnson county community college so they got the game in and that was like a 11 a.m decision like the game's in three hours Oh, and <laughs> and so but there's like the little portal thing that you have um with all the midwest scouts that was like hey i'm pitching a day against blue valley uh at five o'clock like see you there or hope you show up and yeah. that kind of thing so it was kind of like in that little portal thing it was like me and riley would both write like pint versus dunsing whatever five o'clock at johns county community college and so anyway that was a big day for me um a lot of fun and um so i ended up going to that workout thought i threw pretty well um i didn't really know how it, how, how this kind of stuff goes like that's what i was saying i, I kind of really didn't even start looking at the draft till probably february of my senior year like three or four months before the draft. Um, and so we're, we're, we're a, a late up and coming kind of guy where no, no agent before February. Like we're, we're totally new to new to things February of our senior year. Uh, I, I probably got, had an agent um, at the end of my junior year. Um, okay. Just probably, probably like recommendation from, from somebody that you should have it. Yeah. Yeah. I should have it or, um, he just kind of like maybe just like thought he'd pick me up before I went to Kansas state. I don't know. Um, but like I said, I just didn't really know any, but anything about how the whole process, um, happened. I was having in-home meetings, uh, come like come April, May. And, uh, like I said, I, I was like, I don't know what I'm supposed to say to these people kind of thing. Um, yeah, I want to go to college or like, yeah, I want to play pro ball. Like, I don't know. Um, but I kind of learned all that, how that all went. And, um, so basically when it got to draft time, I, I had done a couple workouts and thought I threw pretty well at all of them. Um, and wasn't really hearing like anything concrete. Uh, I had heard some things from the other guys around town that, that they're like, yeah, like I'm hearing my name here. I'm hearing like this and that what they're hearing from their guys and i was like yeah i i got no idea <laughs> i'm just and, i'm just cole kind of here right now yep yeah i was like i don't really know uh but i think i threw well with these workouts but they didn't really like tell me i threw well or anything um 
So, yeah, and then it, so ended up my draft day story is pretty cool. I ended up going to my buddy Nolan Williams's house. Um, his dad coached us growing up, and so he just kind of like. So I got to watch the rounds one and two the day before at my house. Got to see Riley and Joey get picked. That was exciting. Um, and so my buddy Nolan that I had grown up playing with texted me that night and he's like, what are you doing for the draft tomorrow? I was like, I don't know. And yeah, it was like, at, th- at that point still not on our radar that we're going to go in day two. You, th- you don't think. I thought that there was about, and that these are like my agent's words. He's like, there's probably a 60% chance you get picked and there's probably a 20% chance you get paid. So like you might be, a, you have a 60 percent chance that you get taken like maybe in the later rounds like little like congratulations Cole you got drafted but like we don't have any money for you see you in three years um yeah that 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 interest pick so I when I was in high school it was still 50 rounds and I had a a friend who was committed to Clemson and Rays called him in the 41st round said literally like hey we'll see you in in three years right like that it, it, yeah. that was that was a real thing for a long time in the draft. So you, you pretty much, you were expecting, Hey, don't have your number, but you know, we, we thought we'd throw, throw a line your way. Yeah, exactly. So that's kind of what I was hearing. Um, Knew some people were interested, um, but didn't know if it was going to fall my way. Um, So I went over, so I ended up going to his house for draft day and Nolan was definitely getting picked day two. Um, so his situation was a little bit different than mine, um, but his was crazy and his situation was very crazy. A lot of phone calls, a lot more phone calls than mine. And um, he ended up gets, he ends up getting picked by the angels in the third round. And um, so then I started getting calls like, Hey, the Rays like you in the fourth. Um, this sound good. And I'm like, yeah, it sounds great. Um Ray's pick come around, Easton McGee, right-handed pitcher. And I'm like, what happened? And so, the, yeah, so do you, that's that's funny because I've been um with some players as a as a friend, trainer, coach a couple times when that situation comes up. Now, did you hop right back on the phone? Hey, what the hell is going on? Or are you like, hey, what's what's next right now? I know that that those moments kind of kind of go quickly. Yeah, he texted the, the scout texted me like pretty soon after and he was just like sorry man, like we didn't think he was still going to be on the board. Um like we're still interested, like stay by your phone or like something like that. Yep, and, yep. Uh, just just hey, we're we're coming. <laughs> yeah. So then the Angels start calling um which was totally unexpected because I I went to their workout in Dallas, thought I threw well birds, like nothing. And until the fourth round or the fifth round and like on draft day, I didn't even really know that they were interested. Um, and so they called and said, we're taking you in the fifth round. And I said, great. And, um, and so we're exploding me and Nolan think we're going to the same team together. It's good. Dream, dream come true scenario. And, Angel select in the fifth round, 
shortstop, Georgia Tech, Connor Justice. And we and I and like love Connor Justice, by the way, not talking crap on Connor Justice, but but it was just it it happened twice. It happened in the fourth so, round. Yeah. Let let's talk about the air just yeah. leaving a room, right? Like dude just got taken in the third round, having a draft party, probably like we're oh, yeah. there. And hey, you're coming, you're coming with me, brother. Yeah. You gotta see that name on the ticker. And I had Tyler on on last week and he was like, Hey, everybody shut up till you see that name come across the ticker on the screen. Yeah. And so twice that doesn't happen for us. What, what, what are the, explain yourself, Los Angeles angels. Let's hear it. it, it that's what it was. And it's, it was funny. Cause it was like, Nolan was like my agent for a second. He was like calling the scout. He's like, what's going on? Like, are you guys taking coal? Like, and, and like just kind of joking with him, but like he was all excited. So, um, but I got a text shortly after the fifth round that was like, sorry, man. Um, didn't think he was going to be there. Um, we're taking you in the sixth. And I was like, okay, like I've heard this. Once are you before. guys, are you guys <laughs> sure? Or should, can I tell somebody that? Or Yeah. So um, it ended up coming to fruition in the sixth round and it was really fun. Um he started crying. I, I started crying when he got drafted, and then he started crying when I got drafted. So it was it was a mess. Well, listen, I but, dude, playing playing with a dude from you said when you guys were younger, but how how young were we in there? When we uh, together? ten, I believe. Yeah, like like you have genuine love for the sport that has grown over, you know, eight years with that that guy and his dad's coaching. He made a big impact on your life, like you you can't wait to cheer for that dude and then for two guys in that situation to go to the same team like that's got to be like that's you can't write that stuff right exactly and and between my mom who can be emotional and his mom who can be emotional and he has three sisters like it it was a it was an emotional household that day but it was it was a lot of fun. Um, definitely one that I won't forget, but, um, yeah, that was, that was my draft day. So then it just kind of made the, made the daunting idea of pro ball as, um, I was 17 at the time still for, um, was about to turn 18 when it all happened. So just kind of get the daunting idea of going off on my own, um, a little bit easier with somebody that I had, known my whole life so got you got your roommate to to hit the road with right yep yeah so so we're we're hitting the road are we hitting the road together going to the same place after the draft how does how does it go from from draft day on um well mine actually got a little dicey with money um and was totally not expecting it to um, so his, his was all good. So he went to LA and he signed in LA. Um, that's what all the top three rounders did. Um, and then he went to, straight to Arizona after he was done signing. But, um, my situation kind of carried out a little bit. Um, there was like some miscommunication on draft day, I guess, between the scout and my agent and me and the front office. So, um, a little bit dicey, but um, 
we we negotiated on a number for about three and a half weeks um so i was in limbo for quite a while um because i was like yeah like it's exciting but uh i don't know if i'm signing yet <laughs> and the, so, I, hey, I i wanted to go in there with this and that that matters right at some point that does matter yeah and so i thought we were on the same page when i initially got drafted and then and then we weren't so um we negotiated um for a couple of weeks we didn't get all the way back to my number but um it was good enough so the that, that's how it all went and then june 10th or something like that i made my debut and or wait no that was the draft maybe july 10th um yeah that sounds right um and then we've been off to the races ever since there and now we're seven years in seven seven, seven years in i mean if you say it like that i had 16 16 seasons 17 18 19 20 21 22 this is like this is season number eight so it's yeah it's when you say it like that i feel old no man listen being i we have you know a lot of different guys who come to the facility from you know 10 year olds to high school guys who are planning on going to college or just wanting to make their varsity team to off-season pro guys and um you know that's always it's always very exciting to be able to count the years that you're that you're going back right so you're not old you got to start the clock a little sooner and that's something that we always get to talk about with guys from the northeast um you know there there's always kind of like hey like you have a longer shelf life because you've been on ice for so long like up here in buffalo <laughs> you've just been right sitting here in the cold as i look out the windows here and it's just snowing sideways so hard and so fast um, as much as that's kind of true for guys, we always talk about the opportunity to play professional baseball sooner and how the clock is kind of your, your worst enemy. So looking back at it, you know, probably negotiation wise, we've got school in the mix. If we ever want to go back to it or anything like that, um, you know, we're in pro ball. We absolutely stand by our decision and we've been busting ass for seven going on eight years and a whole lot longer before that to get to the point. Um, take me through leaving one team in Los Angeles and going to another team in Los Angeles with probably out ever really setting foot in Los Angeles. <laughs> yeah, that's, I mean, that's the iconic, uh, anyone who's ever played for the angels or the Dodgers, it's, you go home and everyone's like, ah, like, I bet you love living in LA. And I'm like, yeah, I don't live there. And Not quite LA here. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of differences between the two. Um, it's also hard to, uh, when I compare them sometimes, like, Sometimes um, I have a lot, I have things, things and people to thank from both sides. Um, so uh, I definitely, it's a little bit different and hard to compare them when I come to the angels as an immature 17 year old um, to when I signed with the Dodgers, I was 23. So there is, there was six years of learning 
um, between those two things. So, um, and, I mean, the, the, like you said, immature 17 year old, right. The growth process. And I know Tyler, um, you know, and myself, we met some great people in that angels organization who aren't just phenomenal coaches, but like father figures, guys who make you feel like you need to be more professional, like just probably passed you right along. Um, even if Definitely. it was in kind of a, uh, a tough jagged way sometimes no definitely and that's what um and i and i had lots of failures um in those first six years so um or should i say a lot of opportunities to learn um wow that is hey let's talk about a mindset ladies and gentlemen right there let's go yeah i had a whole lot of those so um it's definitely and i'm certainly certainly imagine I have some more left. So, um, it's kind of, um, I did get to a point though, where I felt like a lot of my angels stint was learning and, um, from like a life perspective to an on-field perspective. Um, I, I just needed to get better and, um, needed to age, like needed to mature grow into my body. Like I, a lot of those things had to happen, kind of learn how the best way to like prep your body, prep your mind to uh, prepare every day, prepare for 140, 160 game season. Um, and that just, honestly, that just kind of took me a while. Um, I think some high school guys um, just pick it up a little bit quicker or, um, or don't have to, they're just kind of born with it. Um, well, I was going to, I was going to say like, how does one 17 year old boy who plays even in Overland Park, Kansas, like you guys had the greatest Kansas high school class of all time, you said, right? Like, arguably, how how do you prepare for a season like that when you guys play 30 games, right? 32 games, like what the the jump level in baseball from a high school draft pick to the workload that it takes at that level, just, you know, from a guy who sees all, you know, perspectives of it, it seems kind of mind blowing. So of course it takes you some time, but what kind of things are we doing to really, you know, really dig in there? I know there's team resources, but you got to be doing that work on your own in order to, to find a competitive edge, right? Yeah. I mean, there's definitely, um, there's a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of trial and error. And, um, I just like, as far as like, I just your throwing volume and that kind of thing, being ready to pitch every day, the, like in high school, I just had to be ready to pitch every Monday or every Tuesday. Like, uh, and I threw the ball probably four days a week, um, where it turned into, okay, now you have to be ready to pitch whenever you're called upon and you're going to throw seven days a week. And, um, come to the field every day, be there for nine hours a day, like, um, that kind of thing, um, or longer some days, but like very big jump, um, gotta love the game to survive. Um, but, um, yeah, I think it just, I think it just kind of took me a while to, uh, um, I, I also think that I was in a situation where I think I had some things, um, coached out of me, um, or coached, um, 
or things that I lost because I was trying to be, be coached to do other things or um, just kind of lost at some of the things I was good at. Um, and so I, it took me a while to relearn how to do the things that I already did well. Um, and is that, is that a, you know, um, oh my gosh, this is a new level. I've got to do something more than I've ever done before. I've got to do something different. And you felt like you really had to change some things to, to be successful. Well, that's the thing. I think it was partially just me not being able to say no to like adults um, as a 17 year old. Um, that's, a, hey, that's a, that's a big deal. Big deal. It, big deal. And like, I don't know as a 17 year old who just showed up, it's, I've been in pro ball for two weeks. Like I ain't going to tell some guy that's been in it pro ball for 30 years, like to go stick it. Like they, like I'm like, I think that some of the, like, especially with a high school draft, when you, when teams feel like they can feel like they can mold this player into the perfect, like whatever they think they drafted or whatever they think they can make him, um, which is true in some um, instances, I'm sure. But it also, like, I also feel like there's something to, like, you drafted this player for a reason. Um, he does things that you like already, that he possesses already. Like, why not just let those flourish? Why not let those just, like, grow while the kid gets older? Um, um, and, like, because it was almost like, I know some people say, sometimes like take one step back to go two steps forward. Like I was trying to go one step forward and I was going two steps back because um, this is, this is not working the way that I want it to work here. Yeah. So it was, um, and then, so that just kind of took me a couple of years um, to 17 and 18 were pretty brutal. Um, I was trying to, trying to learn how to do it again. Um, wasn't throwing very hard. Wasn't, really that healthy um and like arm wise um and, and i was gonna say like in, during that process do you feel like off the field you're like hey i'm trying to do everything i can to be prepared hey i'm trying to you know find all the resources to get better you're you're turning over every stone trying to trying to get some information to to get better and it's not getting it's not reciprocated almost definitely um and that's why I said just like a lot of trial and error. Um, but it was, um, yeah, because like for my high school coach, like very, he teaches a lot of hard work, trumps all, like um, work ethic is everything, that kind of thing. And so there was times in, um, in pro ball where like I'd have a bad outing or I wouldn't feel good. And so I just go run. Like, and I'm just like, I'm just going to run and get better. Like, <laughs> going to like outwork them and like, I'll get better. And like, it's true to an extent. You definitely do need to like, definitely can outwork people, but um, you also have to do it smart. Um, and I was, I just like, I was kind of just naive kid, just like running aimlessly, like probably partially out of anger and partially, um, just because I didn't know what else to do. Um, Shin splints, rolling ankle, all sorts of, you know, you got uh, toe problems. You don't lax ball your feet. Like, yeah, that's, yeah. now we got problems. Yeah. So, um, 
but yeah, so it was a little bit different when I, um, so coming from that and then COVID year got taken from all of us and, um, 21 had like a average year, but I was pretty, I was pretty much like bottom of the barrel, bottom of the bullpen, like the whole year, um, didn't really have, I wouldn't say I was really ever given like an ample opportunity to pitch a whole lot that year. Um, there was so, some and for- roll, a lot of the time when you, when you struggle with your, your role identity, we want to say, right. Like it's, it's harder to even, you know, will yourself to pitch well or know the routine that's going to make you do your best. Like it's, it's so much yeah. harder to do that when you don't have, when you don't have that, that role kind of set in your head. Right. Definitely. And there was some 14, 15 day stretches where I wasn't pitching and I would just kind of like some days after like day 12, I'd be like, well, I'd, I'd go into the manager's office and I'd just be like, what am I doing here, man? Like, 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 I'm not saying you need to pitch me. <laughs> I'm just saying you guys need to either send me down so I can pitch somewhere or you guys need to release me because I'm not getting any better sitting in this bullpen. I and, I just wanted to make sure you guys knew I'm still on the team. Yeah, I, like I'm not getting any better sitting at the back of this bullpen. And realistically, none of us here are good enough to be in the big leagues because we're not. Or like because we're not there. And um, I ain't getting any closer to the big leagues sitting at the bend, end of this bullpen. Um, so I kind of told him that straight up. And um, he's just like, sorry, man, it's kind of out of my hands. Um, and – so obviously I was like, couldn't really get mad at him that much because it wasn't his fault. Um, but so I, and then I ended up getting released like, um, whatever, like a month later and, um, and. So take me, take me through that day. You probably, you get called into, to the office, probably like 1230, a little earlier than, than normal come on by the office and, we won't name names. We'll keep everybody innocent in this, but take me through that day. And like, as soon as you head out, um, you know, are we on the phone? We got a new plan. Um, or are we rolling out kind of like what the, what the F is this? Uh, yeah. So it was kind of, and, and we all knew it was coming, uh, all year long because, um, because you just like, know when you're on the bottom of the barrel, well, and that, um, that, that monster comes at certain times, right? And yeah. And the, we also 20 round draft that year, year after COVID. Um, and the angels took 20 pitchers in 20 rounds. And so we're all looking at each other in the bullpen. Like that ain't good. Well, and, we're, we're the guys who uh, are here currently. So what does that make us? And so we kind of knew it was coming. Um, so obviously like they, they had to all get checked in in Arizona and that kind of thing. And then when they were ready to go, that was time for us to go. So, um, it was kind of, um, it was, it was most of us in one day. So it was kind of just like one after another, Hey man, sorry. Like we're releasing you. There's no, there's no room for you. Like, Thanks for everything. My situation was a little um, different, which obviously I know it's a business. Um, it's 100% a business, and that's the part I hate about baseball. But 
um, it's part of it. And it's, uh, it was just, it felt very, um, very not personal for me to have been there for the last six and a half years of my life. And, um, with some of the relationships and stuff that I had built over those years. But like I said, I get it. But, um, what I was getting to was the day that I got released, that was the day, obviously I had to call my dad, tell him I got released. And, um, I still like, obviously vividly remember that day. And, um, do you, I you never got a, you got a, a sorry just a date in your head for me right off the off the top on it uh July or August 2nd 2021 Alrighty. and so yeah then I, I I never felt like I was farther from the I didn't feel that I was farther away from the big leagues 10 minutes after I got released as I did 10 minutes before I got released because that was just like, it, it clearly they didn't believe that I was going to be a major leaguer anymore. So I needed to find somebody who did. And, and you, you felt like, so you had felt like that last 10 months was, was exactly that. Like, Hey, this, this dude is not going to end up in the big leagues for us. And we just got to figure out what he's going to do until he's gone. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would say that's definitely the position I was in. Um, but so, yeah, I knew pretty much from that point on um, that I had to get better for one. And um Knew I had a little bit longer of an off season now to figure out how to do that. Um, so I let's let's call it a a positive outlook, a running start into the 2021-22 off season, right? Correct. And so I ended up um, signing an independent ball contract with the Monarchs, Kansas City Monarchs, in the American Association, and only pitched twice. <laughs> I was there for six weeks. I only pitched twice. Um, and we were kind of just like the 2015 Royals. We kind of like, we had a good couple starters and we had a sixth inning guy, a seventh inning guy, an eighth inning guy, and a ninth inning guy. And I wasn't any of them. And, <laughs> um, but it was a phenomenal group of guys. And um, we ended up winning the championship in the American that year. Now, um, now Smitty explained a feeling of getting released and 10 days later going right to independent ball of wow, like this weight off of my shoulders. I'm not worried about this 16 year old international guy. They just signed. I'm not worried about this 26 year old veteran in triple a who's eaten up my spot. I'm trying to get better today. I'm trying to win today and we're trying to get to the championship. Did you, you feel like you jumped right into it, even though we're not pitching a cha- like it's championship mentality and a lot more togetherness in a, uh, a team aspect for that Monarchs team. 100%. It was, it was like what I imagine college baseball is like. It was, it was everybody was there to win because we knew that if we won, that would hopefully mean the scouts were like, would have a higher, higher chance of coming to watch us play. Or like if they needed somebody, which roster would they go to, to pick somebody off of? 
Um, Best team, man. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, that kind of thing. So, um, and everybody there is like, I don't know that many people in any ball that are just playing any ball because they love playing any ball. Like that, like they're there to get back, and that's what everybody's goal is there. So, it was um, surrounding yourself with people like you want to be around, and um, yeah, it was definitely created some relationships on that team that um, wouldn't trade. And so then that kind of gave me a little, at least I was around some other people that were also like, Hey, like, cause even though I wasn't pitching, I was still working on stuff at practice and that kind of thing. And um, was getting some older opinions um, from some guys that have been in the big leagues some guys that have been around um, for a long time. So and, yeah, we're, I mean, we're, we're at the field every day working on stuff, whether we're thrown in the games or not. Definitely. And um, so that kind of gave me a little lead into my off season and took about three weeks off and then started, started chugging along. And, um, and I wanted to, I wanted to touch base on that, that off season, uh, you know, training spot that you go to it's, it's Casey strength. Is that correct? Casey strength and conditioning KCSC. Yes. Um, yeah, and they uh, they take real good care of you and lots of lots of other pro athletes out there, right? Yeah, we've had a good group of um, around in and out with some people coming and going based off of where their home base is in the off season. Um, probably a group of like fifteen to twenty guys over the last couple of years. Um, a pretty good core of like ten of us that are there most off seasons. Um, but yeah, we have a good group there. We have a good good group that. Uh, likes to push each other and can bounce ideas off each other when it comes to start throwing time and um, a lot of knowledge in that building. So yeah, we have, we have a good time there. Well, that's huge, man. And so uh, we're with the Monarchs for just uh, a couple of outings. We ride out that championship season. You are a Los Angeles Dodgers pitcher currently. How do we uh, get to where we are today? Walk me all the way there. Um. Well, it was so probably 2022 December time. I'm starting to throw bullpens because I obviously had to get ready ready way before everybody um, just because I had to find a job. And um, so because I actually ended up getting released from the Monarchs as well. Okay, um, so we got we got a, our release papers from Indyball. Double banger. Yeah. And um so what did you say? You said opportunities to learn before, right? These are not failures. These are opportunities to learn. Exactly. And so was kind of in the boat, um, but I just needed to get a lot better. So I start throwing bullpens around December and I'm throwing the ball the best I ever had in my whole life. I'm throwing harder than I ever have. Um, added a cutter that I thought was pretty good. Um, and was kind of working on some things, but was throwing for scouts, like calling scouts from high school that I had known, like that were still doing it. Like, Hey, like you come watch me throw today. I'm throwing a live against some of these hitters. Um, uh, just want to like, see what you think. And would throw and I, I, I threw the ball really well and, um, got a whole lot of like, yeah, man, looks good, but, like, I just don't know if there's a spot or, like, whatever. And I was like, well, then you clearly just don't like me enough. And 
No, you, I, you would probably know a little more right now, but like, that's, you know, that's sometimes we'd love to take you and there's not a spot. Right. Yeah. And I was like, well, you can make one, but they, um, yeah. So I was getting aggravated for a little point in time. It was weird. I was like mad because nobody would sign me. Um, because I was throwing the ball better than I ever have. I was like, I was in high A four months ago. Like, I know what it looks like, and I'm throwing the ball way better than I was four months ago. Um, so, yeah, I was getting aggravated, but um, still just kept throwing because I believed. I was like, I'm throwing better than I ever have in my life. If I'm not going to get signed now, like, it ain't happening. And um, so, yeah, all these scouts were – kind of telling me the same thing or telling me like, yeah, when somebody in spring training gets hurt, like then we'll call you. And I was like, okay, sounds like you really love me, but, um, <laughs> the, sure. Oh yeah, sure. Thanks man. But then again, an opportunity is an opportunity. So, um, I was going to take whatever I could get. So I ended up going to this workout in Arizona for the Royals. Um, I was all psyched up about because obviously I'm from Kansas City and thought that that was a possibility and went down to Arizona through really well. Birds. Um, and um, yeah, so then I had another workout somebody told me about in Florida that was at Eric Cressy's place. And um I kind of told him like when they invited me, um, I was like, cause one of our old KCSC trainers, um, got a job there. And oh, so he okay. was, he was the one that called me and was like, Hey man, you want to come throw at this? And I was like, dude, like I just flew all the way to Arizona and back and got a hotel. Like I can't keep flying around the country. Uh, like, I hey, hey, you, you know that, Eric's place is the place to go if you're if you're a free agent in the off season, right? <laughs> yeah. I I'm flying all over the country and I'm like, I don't know if I can do this. Like I don't I don't have this much money to be flying around like this with no with no job. And so my parents were like, you get yourself there, like we'll get you home, like kind of thing. We'll split it with you. And I was like, okay. So I ended up telling them I would do it and threw the ball arguably like the best bullpen live BP thing I ever thrown in my life. Yeah. And, um, after the Royals workout, I thought I was going to get signed after this workout. I knew I was going to get signed. And so it was, um, just needed new eyes. Apparently, um, do that. I mean, switching coasts kind of, right. You go from Arizona the Florida spring training teams are hot on Cressy and Palm beach gardens. Obviously the facility is beautiful. It's outdoors. All the big leaguers are there. Like all you needed yeah. was someone from over there. Like, oh, the sixth, sixth round, not too long ago. How many opportunities? He hasn't had a ton of opportunity. This dude's fucking legit, man. Get him <laughs> out here. Right. Yeah. That's what, so it was very, um, that's when I had a couple offers um, by the end of the next day. And I got to, got to pick between those. And um, that's how I ended up a Dodger. And then I had a good year last year um, in Great Lakes. So it's kind of just trying to keep the ball rolling right now. So 
it's um hopefully um nursing a slight elbow thing right now but it's i don't i think we're past the the hard stuff so hopefully i will be back out there here very soon and um be able to have a good year and keep the ball rolling on this story because it's been kind of a wild ride oh dude it is it has been fun hanging on with you through that so um you know newly kind of a dodger elbow thing absolutely fine where you're in the best of hands probably when it comes to organizational wise and at least from the sports medicine side of things right like team doctors are the greatest people on the face of the earth to have looking at your body every day. I was a coach and I remember getting seven physicals and blood tests and I haven't had a physical in 10 years. That's anything like I went through in those couple of days that they put you through. So great resources out there. Um, and in a world-class organization, right. Being a guy who, you know, is all about that track to the big leagues, we see that the the big time big league team that's out there ahead of us. Have we met any of those guys? We have kind of a, a segue, you know, Dodgers wise into like, hey, I really do see a, a pathway for myself and a in a track to the big leagues. And and do they see that as well? Yeah, I mean it's uh it is cool. Uh the one of the difference between the Dodgers and the Angels was I feel like the Angels, you never really saw the big league guys, um, at least while healthy. Sometimes you got to see them when they were on rehab, um, coming back from an injury or something. But um, as far as healthy, we never really saw them. It's very separated with the Angels, um, where the Dodgers is like not that way. It's um, we kind of share a cafeteria. They have their own, but like it's more you you can brush shoulders with a lot of the big leaguers um, pretty often with the Dodgers. So. Um, and I think that's cool. I think it gets um, – I think it is cool that they don't, like, segregate y'all from the big leaguers. I think well, I it's – I mean, it's – you know, there's there's that big leaguing guys, right? Like, there's there's that, that whole thing. But, like, sharing knowledge from the top down is the best way to improve your, your entry-level employees, right? Like, you're – imagine being a 17 year old guy who just came out of the draft from Overland park, Kansas in the sixth round shows up bright eyed, bushy tailed, not knowing a damn thing. And Clayton Kershaw walks up and goes, what's up, Brooke? Like stop by my locker later. I got something for you and hands you a pair of those cowboy boots. that are like 1200 bucks. Right. Like there's like, right. Like there, those things are, those things matter to you to the point where one, like, yeah, those, those boots cost more than, you know, my whole pay for the month, but two, like, you know, that guy went out of his way to talk to me, right? Like knowing that that's not obtainable or I can't even access people like that versus every day. Hey, like we could, we could just possibly walk up to Walker Bueller and say, yo, what's up dude. And catch him on the foosball table. Like that has to be a different mindset, right? It definitely is. And I think the other big piece to that is, is your ability to blend into like, if you're going to be a big leader one day, like you can't be like scared of those guys or like, or like, like put them on such a high pedestal that like you think you're not worthy to be around them or like that kind of thing. Like, like you're, you're part of the same organization as they are. So like, 
I think it's cool that I think it's really good for the younger guys that are coming up to be able to like get their feet right, being around those guys, being on that stage, being around some cameras, even though the cameras aren't looking at you. Like it's just like kind of just getting your, getting your feet wet, being on that stage. I think it's, I think it benefits um, a lot of the minor leaguers, but um, yeah. So that's, that's a part that I think is really cool that we do here. And, and I mean, like the, the part of it of being a professional as a 17 year old kid is almost like unobtainable, right? You're like, what kind of, you know, what kind of professional am I, am I here? Like, I'm just this kid from Kansas, right? Like I, what am I supposed to do? Well, like, once again, you got a, a seasoned veteran who walks up to you and kind of puts his arm around you. Um, you know, maybe buys you a steak or tells you to lay off the Chick-fil-A sandwiches, right. That you're double fisting currently something like, like those things really do kind of longevity wise. Um, you know, I feel like keeps guys in the organization, you know, longer and shows them that, that we're more invested in you. Right. Everybody is a, a something I steal straight up from tread athletics, but like Ben Brewster says everybody who walks in the door is that million dollar arm or that billion dollar arm, right? Like we got to treat everybody in any organization. Like they could be the most valuable thing. And if we treat you like that, like you're going to feel like, Hey, I'm worthy of being a big leaguer. I can be a big leaguer. And don't we want to promote like, you know, that you can actually obtain this. Right. Yeah. My first day at spring training last year, the, uh, we had a big everybody meeting and they said something that like really stuck with me that I've kind of, I've told a couple of different people this now, but it's one, it's like arguably the coolest thing I've heard as a Dodger. And it's that everybody is a big leaguer until you prove to us that you're not. And I think that's really cool and empowering because I feel like a lot of other places it's you're a minor leaguer until you're not. So like, I think it's like, you like you have something to prove instead of just like, just be you and prove to us that you're not a big leaguer. Cause like, we think that you currently are like, we're going to treat you as if you are or will be like, so I think that is, um, it's cool because I, and I honestly think that culture kind of like resonates with our whole clubhouse. Like everybody there thinks that like, like, I don't look at anybody in our clubhouse and it's like, ah, like that guy's probably not going to be a big leader. Like, like it seems like everybody in the clubhouse, like genuinely is working towards like being a big leader, not because that's the goal, but because you genuinely believe that everybody like possesses the talent, possesses like the work ethic to do that. And that's who you want to surround yourself with. So it's, um, it really creates like the best culture. I think you could create where as I feel like in some places it could just be like, ah, well, the prospects are supposed to get to the big leagues, but like everybody else is just kind of like having fun and like think it's cool that they play pro ball. Like you're, you're, you're here until, until someone else is, is here for you. Exactly. That's what, and so I think that's one of the coolest parts about the Dodgers is that they kind of make everybody, whether it's true or not, like <laughs> they, they make everybody, um, they make everybody feel like, like they uh, are counting on you to be a big leaguer. So, and I think that's cool. So, that, I mean, that's unbelievable, man. Let's like, we haven't even touched on like, well, that record at the big league level speaks for itself. 
Let's not talk about the pitching numbers all the way down the minor league organization that just dominate every single level, um, yeah. you know, from the Dodgers standpoint, but uh, it starts with the people, right? It's, it's all yeah. about how you treat the people. And that's all we've really talked about. We haven't been sitting here saying, this is how we grind out 105 wins, or this is how we have the best minor league team. Like our whip is this, or our strikeouts for none of that, none of that matters, right? Like we're here talking about these people genuinely, genuinely believe that the people they've brought in are going to be the product on the field someday. And I feel like the Dodgers can sometimes get a bad name for being like big market team. Like they're just going to go buy their talent. Like the Dodgers genuinely have, like, if you just look at their roster right now, like it's, it's, I mean, Bellinger, he's gone now, but like Bellinger came up, like Dustin May came up, uh, Walker Bueller came up, Julio Urias came up, Clayton Kershaw came up. Like there are like a lot of dudes, like, yeah, they went out and got Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman, but like James Outman, like Gavin Lux, like Will Smith. Like all these guys, like let's say God bless Lux real quick. I don't know if you saw Lux run to third base today, but that looked, that looked really ugly, man. I saw the, I got a notification. I didn't see it. Yeah. I just, uh, team docs are the greatest people on the face of the earth. So let's hope that they're, uh, they're out there working some miracles on him right now. That looked really, really ugly out there. Hopefully he's back on his feet real soon. Yeah. So, um, you know, the, the Dodgers, right. They, they do it right. We're happy to be here. Um, a little bit, um, you know, different side of things. I'm planning a trip to Kansas city for, uh, for this summer. And I've only been to Arthur Bryant's barbecue. What do I have to see in the city? Where do I got to get to give me a, uh, a, a one minute rundown of, of Kansas city tour hit me. Um, I would recommend you go to either Q39 or Slaps Barbecue. Um, what's the what's the specialty there? Slaps is kind of good at everything, um, but my favorite thing um, at Q39 is definitely the brisket. So I would I would sway you that way. Um, other things in Kansas City, um, and I mean the best thing in Kansas City is the Kansas City Chiefs. Like it, <laughs> it just is. And I'm sorry, you don't want to hear that, but like it, it just is. And uh, we did you, have did you make it to the parade or were you already in Arizona? Uh, I was already in Arizona, but yeah, Patrick Mahomes has blessed the city and um, it's just going to be that way for a while. And the, but as far as things to do, the, the power and light um, area in downtown um, Kansas city, that's like the bar district and the, shops district but um yeah power and light is where i would send you for a for a night or a restaurant or a good night whatever well that's that is that is awesome so um do we make it back there every every off season that's kind of kind of home base still or are we posted up in arizona pretty regularly home base is in kansas city i was i was there from from september to february so. Nice. Very, very nice. So you got to, did you, you make it out to Arrowhead uh, or whatever it is, GHOA field at, uh, at all? Yes. I am fortunate enough that my girlfriend is one of the cheerleaders currently. And so what are the Kansas city chiefs. Yeah. So I got the hookup. So I've been at quite a few Chiefs games in the last couple of years. Um, 
like most of them, but um, at least home games. But um, I was at the 13-second game. I'm sorry. No, um, man. Come on. <laughs> but the – it was um, – you probably have some pretty good seats, just like uh, being being there with one of the cheerleaders, right? Yeah, they're lower level. They're in the end zone. They're they're good seats. The, uh, but yeah, so I have a good time going to those in the off season and training and working, and it's kind of ca- encapsulates my off season is just Chiefs games and working and training. So. That's what that's- we do in Kansas Kansas City. It's a uh, it's an honest life, right? It is. It is kind of awesome. kind of like here in Buffalo Not without much. all the, but without without the football success that uh, that you guys have. Yeah. So um, let's let's talk a little bit more about um, and this is real quick. Probably wrap it up the last minute here. So um, you know the financial side of the game and empowering the minor league players. I know that uh, you know, we both have a stand of. Um, you know, you said you kind of had a little bit of time in your negotiation process, trying to get back to your number with your agent when it came to your original draft process. We have a love for empowering minor leaguers and uh, ultimately getting them paid. Right. So give me give me a little bit more and then we will uh, we'll send you off for the night. OK, yeah. The uh, yeah, I mean, I think uh, with the way that wages have been throughout the minor leagues in the last ever uh it's just, it's just it's embarrassing and like uh, other sports with with uh an equivalent job like minor league hockey or uh the g league or like something like that like those guys are making money like the practice squad for the nfl like those people are making real money and if you compare that the the fringe big leaguer like when he's in the big leagues he makes he makes $770,000 and then in triple and like if you're not in the top 750 dudes like if you're 751 you make 30 grand 20 grand and yeah aside from that issue of just the difference in pay um just the quality of life is really um something that I hope gets better in the near future because it's it's a problem, like, especially with how gas prices and, and just how expensive apartment complexes is and eggs, eggs, man, like, we gotta, we gotta like, buy, we gotta buy eggs to fuel our body. Right. Just like $20,000 just like, doesn't really cut it in America nowadays. Um, so it's, it's something that, and these guys, it's not like, we're just like, like we possess a skill that, um, not many people on the planet do and it's entertainment for a lot of people. So um, we feel that the wages should be um, increased based off of that. But um, yeah, I really like, obviously it's the draft is where everybody has to make their money now because um, you're not going to make it as a salary and it doesn't even help. But I, I kind of touched on it earlier, but like it doesn't help that you can get paid in college now so like <laughs> i go to college i go to college and get a million dollars so like why would i like why would i not do that and then i can get a million dollars from you guys in three years like it's just it's competitive um it's competitive and how they get players and it's 
it's not really fair to everybody that's trying to, which life ain't fair, but like for a long, when minor leaguers don't make a livable wage, the gap is so wide between the bonus babies and the free agent signs and people that um, like the undrafted free agents and people that were picked late rounds. Like it's just not, it, it, it needs to be addressed. And so hopefully for the sake of um, all current minor leaguers and all future minor leaguers, um, it gets addressed because it's been kind of an, uh, it's been just kind of like, it's been a problem for a long time that just hasn't been able to be addressed. Um, so hopefully, um, hopefully that it's addressed soon because it it's good for baseball. It's, it's not good for baseball for minor leaguers to be making 15, $12,000 a year. That's Absolutely. not good for anybody. And like, I know, I know it, it varies, right? We talked, we talked before about just like the player development, like all of the baseball aspects, very, you know, organization by organization. Right. So there have been some organizations, you know, top of the line, really revamping some of their minor league pay scales and some of the way, the way that some of their minor leaguers um, live. I believe specifically the blue Jays kind of did something with the housing or something like that. But um, you know, that, that wide gap between the major leaguers and the minor leaguers almost brings me right back to your point before of, you know, some organizations really like to almost drive a wedge between that line, right? Like there is the big leagues and then there is you and that's what you are right now. And then some of them are like, Hey man, we're all in this together. Let's provide you with some tools, with some resources for you guys who don't make Clayton Kershaw money. Currently we value you the same Go, Yeah. Here's, here's a way to go, go help, go be better. Do you feel like you're better prepared in the, the Dodgers and that they, you know, are they one of the organizations who you think are leading the way kind of in the support of their minor leaguers? 1000%. The Dodgers are top class, top of the line. We have chefs that are traveling with us to every game at affiliates that are cooking us full spreads and two, three meals a day with snacks. And like, it's, it's top of the line. And um, yeah, I can't, can't knock them in any sense. It was, it's top of the line across the board. And um, I'm fortunate enough to see this side of it. Cause it's like, why can't everybody do this? They're all rich. They're all, if, if you look at the amount of money that these billionaire owners are making um, off of just like, like if you look at what the team was worth 10 years ago versus what the team's worth now, it's like, it's absurd that you can't. Like, it's, a, uh, it's a good time to own a sports franchise, right? Yeah. And, and you can't like, we're talking about, half of pennies we're talking about dirt like compared to those zeros that they got on the end of those paychecks like we're not talking about anything and so it's just they're they like to penny pinch a little bit and that's that's their prerogative i guess they're trying to make money so um, listen man everyone everyone who's uh outside of the walls who don't know anything about the game are saying Hey, baseball's dying. Hey, baseball's dying. And it probably makes them want to 
hold on to their money a little bit more. We're so removed from the game when you're, when you're not, you know, in the game that I feel like you, you probably hear any of the opinions you get are uh, not really, you know, not really, um, you know, baseball Just, opinions. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I hear you. But yeah, I think I, I hope that it gets better soon, but, um, and I think it will. So I, I hope that, um, I hope that people see where we're coming from and, um, see why players deserve what they deserve and, um, just kind of hopefully pave the way for the, for the future minor leaguers, because Lord knows that there's been a whole lot of minor leaguers already that can tell you stories that some people wouldn't believe. So. Absolutely. And we, uh, we appreciate those soldiers who've got their, their boots on the ground out there working for us, um, in the players association on the CBA, everything that's going to go towards, you know, just fair treatment for these guys. I think, um, you know, everybody deserves it in any walk of life or any job, um, that they, that they have, uh, I think fair, equal treatment is not, uh, not too much to ask for out there. So, well, Cole, That's we right. appreciate your time. Um, if you know anybody who'd like to be on the show with us, just kind of chop it up like we have, or, um, you know, are, are promoting anything that they're doing or, um, you know, have an awesome story to tell. We would love to have anybody, um, you know, from the Dodgers, from anywhere um, on the show. And we really appreciate your time um, being on here with us and uh, absolutely the best of, of luck to you this season. And, uh, you know, that elbow is going to be elbow is going to be good. You get yourself back out there. And uh, yeah, when you when you break camp, you get out there and uh, you remember what it's what it's like to compete against the boys, you know? Yep, definitely. Absolutely, man. Thank you again. Have a great night. Thank you for listening to Holding Down the Fort. This is Jimbo Fort reminding you to hold it down. Be on the lookout for our new merch. Anybody who has any questions for the show or for our guests on the show, please email us at holdingdownthefortpod at gmail.com. Follow us on TikTok, Instagram, and subscribe on YouTube for all the latest updates and to hold it with us. Thank you again. We look forward to having you back for the next episode.